0: Good morning. It's good to be here with you all again. And Pastor Al and Pastor Peter, I really appreciate it. I was supposed to be here last week, but um, they were graciously able to allow me to come this week. The message that God gave to me for you this morning is this it matters who you're with. It matters who you're with. And I pray that this message would greatly encourage you because I think sometimes we in a walk with the Lord can become very discouraged. But um, I hope that by the time you leave here today, that you will be encouraged in some way. Father, I come before you this morning, oh God, just asking that you would have your will and your way with me. That, oh God, you would give me what I need to preach this message, oh God. You know I'm not here to offend anyone nor to please anyone. But I want to preach forth your word as you have given it to me, oh God. Father, it matters who we are with, dear Lord God. And Father, too often we become discouraged in living this Christian life because we think it depends so much upon us. But I pray, dear Lord God, that someone will leave here encouraged today to know that it matters who is with them and who they're with. So I pray, God, give me clarity of thought as I preach this message. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I know we read the text of our message for today, but I want to read from Luke chapter 6 just to give you another idea another version of of this very same pericope of scripture. Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 12 to uh, 16. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 16. And if you don't mind, would you stand for the reading of God's word, please? Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 16, but we will go back to Mark chapter 3. There are some things in Luke That mark does not mention. That's why when you're studying, especially the Gospels, it's good to look between uh, the different versions of the Gospel to get a full idea of what's going on. So let's let's all read it together, amen, out loud. One of the days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, John, son of Alphaeus, Simon who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, Who became a traitor? Here ends the reading of God's word. Please be seated. This uh, passage of scripture in in Luke, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 19, is something you know I've read so many times, but as I was studying it for my devotions one day, the Lord lifted up this section that truly, truly ministered to me, where it says Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And we saw from the book of Luke that he had gone up and prayed all night before this happened. So after he had prayed all night, he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be what? With him. That is a key word in there, with him. First of all, we need to understand that it was Jesus who called them up to the mountainside. It said he called to them those he wanted, and they came to him. And out of those he called up to the mountainside, he chose 12. First of all, he remembered Jesus had a number of people following him at that time. So after he had gone up into the mountain to pray all night, and he went up into the mountain to pray all night, particularly for what he was going to do the next morning. That would be to to choose the 12 who would eventually become the leaders of that Christian movement, if we would dare call it that. One of the things you need to realize is that what Jesus was doing was not new. This was something that rabbis in the Old Testament, that Jewish leaders in the Old Testament did themselves. They would, when they would go across around the countryside, they would go around the countryside preaching and teaching. They would have a fo- people following them, and out of those who were following them, they would always choose 12. So Jesus, in keeping what the religious leaders had been doing through the centuries, did the same. And also, which is so interesting, that's why I love doing the research sometimes. Pastors would tell you we get lost in the research, right, Pastor? We enjoy the research so much that we forget we got to write the sermon. And then sometimes you got so much research you can't decide which, which bit are you going to use. But when I was researching this, this was very fascinating because the religious leaders of the Old Testament always had, as I said, a large following. And then out of that large following, they would choose 12. And out of that 12, they would have 72. So the 12 and the 72 were the most intimate ones that they would train for leadership. One of the things we will see is that Jesus chose the 12. I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I want to paint a good picture here before I move on. Jesus chose the 12, but if you know your scripture, those of you who are familiar with scripture, that he also sent out 72. Now I understand why. Because this was something that was typical in Jewish culture. And Jesus wanted to show himself as a religious leader, as a rabbi, following the culture of the day. So when Jesus called, it said here, he went up to the mountain and we would add to pray and called to him those he wanted. So it wasn't any and anybody who came to him. It was, some think it was the 72 That he called up to him. You know what is so fascinating about this? You have to have been following him already to have been called. Sometimes people want to do ministry. And they want to get involved in the things of the church. And sometimes people have not made that decision to take Christ as their savior. And yet they want to serve. Sometimes people are not even sure of their walk with God. And yet they want to serve. So I want to challenge you that before you step out to do the work of the Lord, please make sure that you have taken Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You may say, Pastor Baptiste, why are you even talking about this? Because I have known of Sunday school teachers who have taught Sunday school for years and were not saved. There was one woman who was teaching Sunday school. And she had, was now in her 70s, and she was teaching one particular Sunday school lesson. And as she prepared her lesson, she began to question herself, am I even saved according to the lesson she was teaching? Guess what she learned? She was not. Please, I know I say this often, but I want to make it very clear. You are not a believer because you were born in the United States of America. Some people think because I'm American, I'm a Christian. You're not a believer because your mom and dad are believers. You're not a believer because you come to church every Sunday. You're not a believer because you're involved. You become a born-again Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life when you take Jesus Christ as your Savior, meaning simply that you say, God, I am a sinner. I haven't lived my life the way in accordance with your Scripture. I know Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I want to repent, ask you forgiveness of my sins, I haven't been living the life I ought to be living, and I take Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's it. That's it. If you never did a thing for God, if you never give a penny in tithe, if you never teach, if you never do anything, that, I want you to understand, those things don't make you right forever. The only thing is that you have taken Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's it. So going back, those that Christ was able to call out had to be those who made some sort of agreement that they were were going to follow him. So therefore, the word says he went up to the mountainside and called to him. It is the word summon that you would give like with a trumpet to call people. You know, when you're in the army and they get, you wake up and everybody gathered. That's the kind of summons it's talking about. That when Christ summoned them, they called. And this word is strong because it meant that they were called out of something. They were called to leave whatever they were involved in to follow him. So, when he came and he called them, that meant some of them left jobs, some left families, some left their dreams to follow him up to that mountain. And you got to understand remember what I told you before. They knew exactly what he was doing because this is part of their culture that when he called them to himself, it meant they were called to be his followers, his disciples, full commitments. <clears throat> and it says he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Then it went on to say that he appointed 12, designating them apostles. You need to understand this. The 12 were chosen from the multitude who followed. The 72 who came. Christ looked over and he chose these 12. They came for You need to realize they came of their own free will. They came, they put everything aside and because of doing that they were chosen. You have to be in it as the lottery would say to win it. Amen. But I'm not supporting that, but you have to be in it to be called, to be appointed, to be chosen, to be selected. Because they had answered the call, then they were able to be chosen to be called apostles, followers of Jesus Christ. The apostle, the first time the word was mentioned, it's actually in the Old Testament, and the the apostle word just simply means a messenger. But when Christ used it here, the word changed a bit from apostele to apostolos, meaning you are not just going to be a messenger. The 12 that I'm going to choose are going to be missionaries who will be designated almost like a judge to the nations to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So what is this saying to us here this morning? There are some of you, you know, where it talks about many are called but few are chosen. There are some of you that Christ will not only call to himself and call maybe to participate in work in the church, but there will be some that God will lay his hands on and choose you for a specific tasks. What I found very interesting, because when I studied called and and chosen, nobody really, all the commentators, I don't think they knew what they were talking about. Because the more I read, the more confused I got. But God led me to a passage of scripture that I think will help all of us to understand this. I want you to, to turn to Revelation with me. Me get my notes together. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. You got it? It says, they will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him, meaning with Christ, will be who? Will be his called, right, his chosen, and his faithful followers. What I want you to understand is this, my brothers and sisters, is that when Christ calls us, there are three Three groups. One, faithful followers. All of us, when you have come to Jesus Christ, we are all faithful followers. Amen? That means no matter what testing or trials we go through, we will always be faithful followers. We will never, ever turn away from Jesus Christ. We will stand firm firm for Christ come with me. But there are those who are called out of the faithful followers. And one of the things, as I was studying this, and I think sometimes we are hard on the faithful followers in church pastors. Some The faithful followers who are those who may not necessarily be involved in ministry, who may not even necessarily have interest in ministry. They come to church, they support the things of the church, but they do not feel a to get in to serve or anything, but they're there and they're faithful and during times of testing they'll stand strong, but they may not necessarily be people who serve. And sometimes I think we get so hard on the faithful followers, but that may be all that God has designated them to be, faithful followers who come to church, support the church, pray for the church, do the work, you know what I mean, but not necessarily involved in ministry. You get it? There are those who are called. Called not just to be faithful followers, but you have to be a faithful follower to be called. You get it? You just can't show up. So a faith out of the faithful followers, Christ will pick people out that He will call, that He will summon to task in the church, to help in the church, to support the work of the church, be like the foundation for the church. And then out of the called, There are the chosen. And sometimes I think we downplay the importance of the chosen. I think in studying this, and this is what I got, the called are like the laity of the church, who are the backbone of the church, called to support through ministry, through teaching, even through preaching. But the chosen are like the pastors the missionaries, called to be the frontline soldiers. So though some of you may be faithful followers, out of that God may call some of you to be called to work in the church. And out of you, some of you who are called, God is putting his hand on you and he's calling you to be chosen and you're running from it. And that's what I think Christ means when he, when he talks about many are called but few are chosen. Many are called, but there are few who are chosen. To be the frontline soldiers. So when Christ returns, it's not just the chosen who's gonna be with him, it's gonna be the called and the faithful ones. That's just to tell you and to encourage you that when you're doing anything for the Lord, the Lord values you to the point that when He comes back at the end, not only will the chosen, the pastors, the missionaries, the top leaders will be with Him coming back to take up authority here on earth, but those who are called and those who are the faithful ones and I hope that encourages you so when Christ did this oh I I got so excited I lost my spot
1: oh Lord Jesus you gotta help me okay
0: so first Christ called and I'm not going by points today I just want to talk on this, if you if you allow me. So first you saw that, that Christ prayed. He chose those who were to come to him. And out of those, he chose who were to be apostles. And apostles were to be the top leaders who he had given the, the authority to judge, who he had given the authority to take the gospel to the nations, and who he had given the, the authority to preach, and to cast out demons as you would see at the end of 14 and 15. But what I found so amazing is that he said he appointed them 12 designating them apostles and first that they might be with him that was his main reason why he chose them to be apostles, that they would be with him. He's not talking about the larger crowd now. He's talking about the whom? The 12. Why is it that this 12 was so important that they had to be with him? He, they were important because this 12 had to eat with him. They had to sleep where he slept. They had to go where he went. They had to observe everything he did because he needed them to understand the importance of the task that they were called to. It was a very serious task because this 12 were the ones who were chosen to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Was not the called that was chosen, that was selected to take the gospel to the end of the earth. Was the 12. They had to learn to be with him. And they had to understand that he wasn't only, only with him. They had to learn that they have to be with him too. So when they go through their trouble, when they go through their trials, they would know that it matters not because he's with them. When uh, Jesus parted, um, I'm sorry, when Jesus calmed the storm, he was, they were there. They had to learn what happened when storms come up and it seems so impossible that they can't manage it. They had to learn that they had to develop faith to know that even if this thing is something they have met like they have never met before, that they know that Jesus had the strength and the ability to do it. They saw that how he took five loaves and two fish and multiplied it to feed thousands. He saw how he, how, he, how he healed the lame, the blind, the deaf. He saw how he stood up when the religious leaders came against him. This is what he meant by with him. These 12 had to live with him. They had to observe him. They had to watch his life. They had to learn everything about him because they were the ones to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So what about us? How does this apply to us? We have to learn in our walk with Jesus Christ how to be with him. We are so busy at times doing for Jesus. Preaching for Jesus. Teaching for Jesus. Giving for Jesus. doing, 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 preaching, preaching, singing, singing, worshiping, worshiping. And we forget. What is most important is not what you do, is the fact that you're with him. Notice that the first thing Jesus said is that he wanted them to be with him before he even talked about preaching and casting out demons. Why? Because being with him, they will come to understand who he is, they will come to understand his might, they will come to understand his power, that when they go out to preach, they're not preaching in weakness, but they're preaching under his authority and his might, and they're preaching with confidence. When they go to cast out demons, they know they can't do it. Why? Because they know that they're doing it in his power. When they go to heal, they know that person will heal. Why? Because they have seen Jesus Christ heal. When they go out to stand up against the leaders, they can stand up with confidence and boldness. Why? Because they have seen Jesus do it. Let me tell you something, Christians. Sometimes you become discouraged because you are challenged and you want to give up. But you have to remember, just like the disciples remember, who you're with and who's with you. The one who's with you is Christ. The one who's powerful and mighty. The one is awesome and glorious. The one who's with you is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The same God who parted the Red Sea is the same God with you. The same God who brought down the Jericho Wall is the same God with you. The God who shut the mouths of the lions is the same God with you. Why am I talking this morning about it matters who you're with? Sometimes we are so bent on doing things in our own strength that when we fail, when matters seem too too great for us, insurmountable, more than we can handle, more challenging, what do we do? We give up. We become discouraged. We go into despair. Sometimes people go into depression. Why? Because because you can't see it. You can't understand it. You can't handle it. You can't see how God can do it. So therefore, it is impossible. Jesus wanted his disciples with him. So that they can see on a daily basis, when they come into trouble, how they handle it. So your marriage is going through problems. And you're getting discouraged day by day. You've been praying, 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 don't give up because of who is with you. It is not the husband, it's not the wife that will change matters. It's Jesus Christ, the one who's with you. You have children that you've been praying for who have gone astray and you're getting all stressed out about it. You've got to remember who is with you. He is the same one who parted that Red Sea. He is the same one who came up from the grave where the enemy tried to keep him, buried in that grave. He is the same one who says that the battle belongs to the Lord. The same one who says nothing is impossible with God. You're facing stuff on your job and you don't even know how to handle it. People in the back room plotting and scheming, wondering what they're going to do. And you're worried because you know what's coming. You understand what's coming. You can sense what's coming and what happened. People get discouraged. But you got to remember who's with you. It is not a weak God. It is a powerful and a mighty God. It is the God who created this world. It is the same God who says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is the same one that says, nothing is impossible with God. What are you going through this morning? Who's with you? Who do you turn to? Who do you depend upon? You have to understand, just like the disciples did, they had to understand that they were with Christ, and Christ was with them. These were the people who were to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. These were the people who would face rejection, who would face imprisonment, who would face defeat, The very words that they would preach, nobody would listen to it. The very things they would call out to God, nobody would listen to it. They will receive no accolades. Nobody will build a statue to them. Nobody will call them to say these are favored people. As a matter of fact, everywhere they went, they were rejected, they were denied, they were thrown aside. Every apostle. Every single one was killed, all except for John. What took ordinary fishermen, a thieving tax collector? What changed people like this into men who would stand up in the midst of rejection, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of imprisonment, in the midst midst of, of being ostracized, ridiculed, flogged, killed. What changed ordinary men into firebrand, powerful preachers that would stand up against people that they know when they open their mouth and declare Jesus Christ that it would mean their short sure death? It's because of who was with them. The reason why. Many of us become so bent over and discouraged easily, it is because we are too self-dependent and too focused on doing for God instead of being with God. It is important who you're with and who's with you. When I go through my problems, and there are some things I'm telling you, I have had to pray for over 10 years. And I could have gotten discouraged. But I remember who's with me. And I've made up my mind that I'm going to be with him. You go through hell and high water, remember who is with you. Who is with you? And the only way you could understand who's with you, if you spend time in the Word, time in the presence of God, understanding who he is. Do you think anybody can come and mess with me. They could have maybe about 10 years ago, not, no more. Because I know who I'm with and who's with me. I go through my testings and my trials, I go through times of discouragement, I go through times of despair, and I stand up and I said, I know who's with me and I'm with him. You're going through trouble in school, know who's with you and that you're with him. You're going through trouble in your marriage. Know who's with you, and that you're with Him. You're going through trouble on your job. Know who's with you, and that He's with you. You're with Him, and He's with you. That is the strongest bond that there could ever be. People can take your money. They can take your family. They can even try to take your sanity. But guess what? They can never take. They can never, ever take Christ from you, and they can never take you from Christ. People can take everything, but one thing they can never take is the love you have for God and the love God has for you. Everything we have can be taken. Everything. Your life can be taken. Your family can be taken. And some of you, I'm sure, have gone through some of this stuff. Your business can be taken. Good, faithful business partner, and all of a sudden, the business partner take all your money and run. When you thought everything was good, you had good friends, and only to find out that the bro-friend that you had disappeared. Everything you have, and I want you to get this, can be taken from you, but not who's with you.
1: They can never take that. You see, what the Lord wanted to show me through all of
0: this is that what was important wasn't the preaching and the casting out of demons In him
1: choosing these 12. What was first important is that they would be with him. What are you going through today? What are you facing in your life? Where are you being challenged? All of us, listen. We, pass can tell you, we face our challenges too. The only thing that keeps us above water is because we know who's with us. Sometimes you feel so weak and beaten, you can't even hold on to God. But guess what? He holds on to you. It is not the grand things that you do for God, it is not the preaching and the casting out of demons. That wasn't the first
0: thing Christ mentioned. Read it, and I read it in the Greek, and it is the same sequence. First is who he wanted them to be with him. To learn from him. To observe him. Because he knows that when these twelve that were set aside to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, he understood the hell that they were going to face. He understood the persecution they were going to face. He understood what was going to happen from their own family, from religious leaders when they're going to foreign countries. He knew exactly and he wanted them to be with him so they can learn to stand strong in the midst of the hell. You cannot stand strong as a born-again believer when testings and trials come if you haven't been with him. Because that's where you learn that my God is strong, that my God is mighty, that my God is holy, that my God is glorious. When it was all over and they understood who Christ was and they saw and they learned from him, they were able to preach with power. They were able to preach and touch people and see people come to to Christ. They were able to touch people and see them healed. They were able to go to countries and be killed. They were able to stand before the Sanhedrin and said, we will not stop preaching his name no matter what you say to us. That's the only way you can do it, believers. It is
1: not what you do. That's important. Is the fact that you are what? With Him. Where are you right now in this walk with God? Where are you?
0: You're discouraged? He's still with you. You're ready to give up? He's still with you. You ready to throw in the towel? He's still with you. You ready to commit suicide? Guess what? He's still with you. He will never leave us nor forsake us when you put your hand in God's hands. He promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Behold, I'm with you till the end of the age. And no matter what you're involved in, he's still with you. You run away from him, he'll chase you down. You try to abandon God, he'll chase you down. You try to say, oh my goodness, I'm such a bad person. Look what I'm involved in. God will never love me. He died for you while you were still a sinner. He's still with you. Don't ever think that God would forsake you. When you have given your life to Jesus Christ, he is in your life and will keep showing up like a bad penny, whether
1: you like it or not. Why? Why? Simply, he loves you. Jesus called the twelve to himself because he wanted to train them, and prepare them, and teach them the discipline of learning to be with him. Because you see, he knew that the time was drawing near for him to depart, and they had to carry the torch. What if Jesus had only
0: focused upon teaching them to preach and cast out demons? How would they have learned how to handle the difficult times if they hadn't learned how to handle difficult times with him? I challenge you this morning, every single one of you, whatever you're facing, even if you feel like you have failed God, that you have failed Christ, that your life is not perfect as a Christian, I'm not here condoning it, but what I'm trying to say is this. If you have taken Jesus Christ as your Savior, he is with you through thick and thin. Even
1: when you fail him, he's still with you. You can't get rid of him. Sorry. Amen. He's with you, and I hope you will come the point in your life your walk with Christ where you'll be able to say he's not only with me I am with him that's where you need to get to as a believer so that no matter what you go through you don't run you stand and you say I am with him Marriage problems,
0: family problems, finance problems, problems in your life, problems with drugs, problems with pornography, problems with suicide. All of that, he's still
1: with you. He still loves you.
0: And because he's with you, you can do great and impossible things when some of you get your lives turned around. Because for some of you, you're not just called. You're not just part of the faithful ones. He
1: has chosen you. Amen? That the mes- that's the message God had for me this morning, had for you this morning. I just want to ask quickly, all heads bowed. If this message ministered to you in any way this morning, just lift your hand. And I'm going to pray. Father God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Then they must learn. They must learn that you are with them. Satan is a liar. He tries to discourage. He tries to take our love. He tries to make us believe that you don't love us. You did everything on the cross. So I pray, oh God, for those who lifted their hands, that they would remember it's not about the work you do. It's not about what you do for Jesus. If you're not able to do another thing for him, he is with you. It matters who is with you. And oh God, I pray they will come to the point that they would say Satan is not only with me, I am with him too. Father, understand that they can never, ever Cancel out your love for them, God. I pray, God. I pray also for the ones who are not just called to be faithful ones. And I'm not belittling the faithful ones. They're needed in the church. But there are those who you are calling out to stand up and serve. And there are those who you are calling out to be the chosen, dear Lord God, to take the task forward. So Father,
0: oh God, I just want to pray right now, oh God. Oh God, oh God, that you continue to lay your hands upon your people, oh God. That the ones who lift their hands, oh God, new anointing, fresh anointing upon them, oh God. Father, they don't want a simple life anymore. They want a life with you, dear Lord God. To understand your might and your power, oh God. That they'll be able to stand up for you no matter what's going on. Whether discouragement comes, they'll know you're with them, oh God. Whether, oh God, despair comes, you're with them. Them, oh God, even depression, oh God, that you're with them, oh God. I cancel out suicide in the name of Jesus Christ. Pornography canceled out in the name of Jesus. Marital problems canceled out in the name of Jesus. Problems with children canceled out in the name of Jesus. Even if their body is aching, oh God, with different ailments, you're still with them, oh God. And we cancel it out in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, oh God, we want to thank you, God, that your first. Order with your disciples and apostles is that they learn to be with you first before they do anything else. Have your will and your way in us today, God. Do a new work in us, Lord Jesus. Help us to refocus, oh God, and redirect our thoughts and our walk and our relationship with you. It's not so much about what you do, oh God, it's about that we can be with you, God. Learn of you, God. Sit at your feet, oh God. Father, we cry out today, Lord Jesus. Have your will and your way, so that when they go through hell and high water, when the trouble come, oh God, it seems to go over their heads. Father, they can't sleep at night, God. They're worried and churned up on the inside. The Father that they would remember, I am with him and he's with me. I may have prior marital problems. I am with him and he's with me. I may be going through mental challenges. I am with him and he's with me. I may be going through financial problems. I am with him and he's with me. Trouble on the job. I am with him and he is with me. Oh, God, in the body, oh, God, people suffering things in their body. I am with him and he is with me. So no matter what we go through, help us to be able to declare, I am with him and he is with me. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's sons and daughters said, amen. God bless you.